This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. Had about a month-long break. I've been trying to figure out everything to get a setup at home, but I finally have it. Now I'm ready to talk about some basketball. My favorite thing to do. Playoffs are here. It's going to be a really fun episode. Let's get right into it. So I'm just going to go through the bracket of the playoffs. I'm just going to talk about the games that have been going on so far. So I'm going to start with the West. First, we have the number one seed Utah Jazz against the eighth seed Memphis Grizzlies. So far, the series is tied 1-1. One to one. Grizzlies took game one, 112-109, to 109, with Dylan Brooks going off for 31, which was an interesting sight to see because I feel like if you're in the playoffs, you really want your best player to be scoring, which is obviously John Morant. And I feel like this is the one time where they could get away with Ja not being the, prime, the number one scorer in the game and them getting a win. Also very impressive that Memphis has just made it because Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't there. So they are very interesting to watch at the moment. And you know next year they're going to be great if they don't make it any further. Uh, game one, but game one, the Grizzlies did win, but the Jazz were without Donovan Mitchell, their number one star. So obviously that brings that into effect. As game two, the Jazz win 141-129. to 129. Donovan Mitchell comes out strong with 25 points after that injury he had in the regular season. John ja, ja Morant went off for 47 points, and honestly, I think game one is all that the Grizzlies get. I see the Jazz win the rest of the way, so I expect to see five games out of this series. Next up, we got a lot to talk about in this series because I think it's the most interesting series in the whole playoff bracket at the moment. That would be the number two seed Phoenix Suns against the seven seed L.A. Lakers. Of course, the Lakers are the defending champions, and they're the seven seed. That's wow, and and it's not like they lost anyone. It's just that LeBron James and Anthony Davis were hurt. Like, I think it was a combined fifty-eight games they missed. So, really been inconsistent all year. They had to go through the play-in. But now they're back, and uh, I couldn't imagine being the Suns because think about going back to the bubble where the Suns barely made it in. They said, you're going to have to win every single game to have a chance at making it. That's exactly what they do. They win all, all eight games, but they ended up being the 10 seed overall because Memphis and Portland had to have that play in. So... Didn't make it kind of heartbreaking for them. But then, guess what? You add Chris Paul, and he's really good. People weren't really sure what to think of Chris Paul after Houston. People were thinking, oh, he's probably still a good leader, but we don't know how he can impact the team. He goes to Oklahoma City, turns them into a playoff team, which honestly go, I believe is un- super underrated on how that whole season turned out, but everyone knew that was because of Chris Paul. No offense to anyone else on that Thunder team, but that's just the way it was. Chris Paul, veteran, comes in. He knows what he's talking about. You're going to listen to him. 
And that's exactly what's happening in Phoenix. I mean, like, Devin Booker just, he does nothing but listen to Chris Paul all the time, and he's going to be even, he's going to be better because of it. DeAndre Ayton went from someone who almost, I wouldn't say bust, but it was kind of borderline where he was like, oh, he's just going to be an average player in the league, isn't he? But now he's turning into one of the top centers in the league. I wouldn't say he's like top five or anything. I would definitely say he's within the top ten. But just really great to see that. But then you have all your hopes up and you get to face LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers. That has to sting. But let's go ahead and uh, dive into the series. Suns took game one, 99-90, holding all Lakers players to under 20 points. It was something very interesting. I wasn't able to see that game, but I was able to watch game three last night as I'm recording this on Friday. And Jim Jackson made a really good point where it was almost like every passing lane was clogged up from the Suns' defense, and it was very interesting. So I'm, I'm assuming that's why it happened in that game. Uh, DeAndre Ayton with a 20-point double-double. Really good start to your playoff career. If I'm, <laughs> that's amazing, actually. Devin Booker with 34. A uh, big storyline of Game 1 was that Chris Paul injured his shoulder early, but he came back later in the game. Had a, had a, Looking at his stats, it, you don't really see how much impact he has, but at this point he's more just to lead at this point, which has been going so good ever since the shoulder injury. But what else are you going to do? Go, moving on to Game 2, Lakers won 109-102. to Anthony Davis with a huge 34-point triple-double, which is, he, which is I say it's huge because everyone's clowning him after game one on, on Twitter, pretty much saying, I think people were comparing him to Robert Sacre, which, ouch, I, I would definitely come out. Surprised he didn't score 50 after all that clowning. Um, Aiden with another 20-point double-double. Again, great way to start your playoff career. And then we go on to game three, which took place on Thursday night. Lakers took game took the game 109 to 95. Anthony Davis with another 34 point triple double, and I have a tweet from NBA History, which they're a great follow. I, of course, me it pairs my two favorite things together: basketball and history. But they're I they're still a great follow. Um, from NBA History, Lakers to have back to back 30 plus point, 10 plus rebound NBA playoff games are Elgin Baylor, Shaquille O'Neal, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, and now Anthony Davis. Uh, pretty good company if you're Anthony Davis, if I'm being honest. Uh, some of, I don't know, some of the greatest players to ever touch a basketball and step on the court. So, Anthony Davis is doing his thing. I wouldn't say LeBron's taking a back seat to anything, but at this point, I feel like uh, AD, he's just one of those players where LeBron can take a step back a little bit and not have all the workload go on him. And then also in Game 3, DeAndre Ayton with a third straight 20-point double-double. If he gets a fourth one, I don't know how often that happens in NBA history where to start off your playoff career, you get four straight 20-point double-doubles. But it's an amazing start for him. I hope he keeps it up. Honestly, I know he's hurt, but Chris Paul, um, he just needs to do more, in my opinion, in order for the Suns to make it competitive again because the Lakers have taken the past two games. Not Well, the last one's by a wide margin, but not by wide margins, mostly. But um, I get he's injured, but almost at some point, 
I refer to Last Dance a lot in this, but um, you I would almost put him out there as kind of like a decoy. I know he's your point guard. You can't really have a decoy point guard, but like if you just don't run the offense for him and he just gets a bun- a ton of assists, and man, it's Chris Paul. Even if you if sl- even if you slack off of him, he can still kill you in points. So. Uh, I really just think that Chris Paul needs to do more. I saw him sitting a lot in the last game, which, again, I understand he's injured, but, man, I I just think he would do more. And now for my prediction. Now, if you listen to my uh, March Madness... Um, if you listen to my March Madness predictions, um, you probably shouldn't listen to me whatsoever. I... I'm pretty sure I had the second to worst bracket in all my bracket pools. Or maybe in the worst. I know one of them I was second to last. But, yeah, it was a rough one. But, we'll see if my predictions for the NBA go better. I almost think the NBA predictions, they almost go chalk, pretty much. It's just depending on how many games you want. I think the Lakers end up taking it in six. But, if Chris Paul decides to do more... Uh, Suns could put up a good fight and push it to seven, possibly win. I don't know. I mean, the past couple games, games Dennis Schroeder's been going off for twenty plus, so that's kind. That's a tough one. I I think the Lakers take it in six. I think the Suns get one more game. Next up, we have number three seed Denver Nuggets versus the six seed Portland Trailblazers. Nuggets are up two to one so far in the series. Blazers took game one, 123 to 109. Lillard and McCollum, you know, they're going to do their thing. They combined for 50 plus. You know, that's just something a con, that's almost a constant at this point. Uh, Lillard and McCollum, really underrated, honestly, as a backcourt. McCollum is definitely underrated. Like, I don't think he could carry his own team, but you could put someone at a similar level as him and they'd be really good. Um, Jokic carrying his load with 34. Michael Porter Jr. Drop 25, which that, no, it wouldn't be his playoff debut because he played last year. And honestly, I forgot about all the players that the Nuggets added at the trade deadline. I do think that they still need Jamal Murray to go far. So if the Nuggets get out of this round, I don't see them going any further. Then the Nuggets took game two, 128 to 109. Lillard went off for 42. You know, he's going to do his thing. Like, Damian Lillard in the playoffs, it's like it's like a pie and whipped cream. I don't even know if that's a saying, but they go pretty well together. But, you know, Lillard's always going to do his thing in the playoffs, had multiple game winners, just goes off and off and on. Oh, man, he's fun to watch in the playoffs. Um, Jokic goes for 38, and pretty much that's all the analysis I had. From game two, game three, the Nuggets win 120 to 115. So we're cutting it close here. Jokic with 36, Lillard with 37, which <laughs> it feels weird saying it, but 37 sounds almost like an off night for Lillard, honestly, because it all it seems like he drops 40 at least every every game. Uh, for my prediction, I really see this being a close series. If the Nuggets survive, they like I said, they won't make it out around two, but um. Going to account how much the Nuggets have added, I'll say this goes to a Game 7. It can can go either way. Next, we have the 4-seed Clippers against the 5-seed Mavericks. Mavericks are up 2-0 currently. 
Uh, Mavericks won game one, 113-103. Luka went on, went for 31. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George combined for 40-plus. The fact that Luka is going for 30 against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who should be guarding him if they're not, uh, fire Ty Lue. Ty Lue's, yeah, Ty Lue's coach. Fire him because those are two of the best defensive players in the world. I know I talk crap about Paul George quite a bit, but offensively is when I talk crap about him. Defense, I have nothing but respect for him. Uh, Mavericks won game two, 127-121. to 121. Luka went for 39. Kawhi tried his best trying to go uh, toe-to-toe with Luka, getting 41, and oh my god, I actually wrote that down. But anyway, uh, talking about Luka, uh, if you don't watch Luka, um, I don't know what to tell you, man. He's he's going to be the next generation's best player, no doubt, because already he's just, just the way he moves around. It's 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 almost like poetry in motion watching him. There's a lot of players like that in the league, but uh, Luka, it's, it's almost like... Because it's insane how young Luka is and he's doing this. And he... I don't, I don't know what else to say, like... Luca's gonna be really good. You're gonna be hearing his name a lot. If you haven't heard it a lot already, you're gonna hear it even more. Honestly, to the point where it might honestly be like hearing LeBron James' name, where it's to the point where you're like, okay, I'm tired of hearing about him. Uh, my prediction, I wrote down. Uh, this is gonna come to bite me. Uh, since the Clippers have Paul George, the Mavs. Will, I think the Mavs will win the series. Yeah, that's gonna come and bite me right back. Um, like I said. I don't really like Paul George on offense because he honestly tries too much to be a number one guy. I don't think he's a number one guy, if I'm being honest. And he was a number one guy in Indiana for years, but he's he like made it out of the first round, like, I don't know, twice or maybe even once when he was in Indiana. No, twice, but he wasn't even the number one guy. That was, well, the second year he was, but, like, he had so much around me. He had David West, Roy Hibbert, George Hill. Back when those guys were really good and they had that core, Lance Stevenson. But, like, he keeps trying to be number one guy even though he's not. Um, Kawhi obviously should just carry the load. If Paul George gets 20 a night and lets Kawhi do his thing, or maybe even, like, if Paul George gets, like, 16, 17 a night and just lets Kawhi do his thing, uh, it's a whole different story. But, you know, Paul George has a max contract now. I think he got a max extension. I tweeted about it saying that he better have an MVP season or else this isn't worth it. Didn't have an MVP season, isn't even in the finalists for it. So, yeah, I since they have Paul George and he's going to try to do too much on offense, I think the Mavs are going to win. So now heading into the Eastern Conference playoffs, um, these are going to go by a lot by a, gonna, yeah, these are going to go by a lot quicker because the West is so interesting and in how games are played out there, where almost every game seems close and closer and closer. But um, pretty much the East is going to go chalk until the f- conference finals. Probably we'll move on to number one seed 76ers against the eight seed Washington Wizards. Sixers are up two to nothing at the moment. Uh, they won game one, one twenty five, one eighteen. Bradley Beal had thirty three points. Tobias Harris went off for thirty seven and Embiid with thirty. That's 
one heck of a tandem there, if I'm being honest. That's not even the dynamic duo in Philadelphia. It's Simmons and Embiid, but, I mean, Simmons, you don't really see him scoring that much. Uh, 76 is one game two, 120-95. Bradley Beal went for 33 again. Embiid and Simmons get 22 apiece. Uh, Russell Westbrook hasn't really been doing much, but game two he had a sprained ankle and or he twists his ankle, something like that. I had to leave early. We'll be talking about the events that happened during that later on. But if Russ isn't going to be on the floor much, or if he's just not producing well, like I've seen him, I think in the series so far, he's got like 14 and 10 points in game one and game two. So for that reason, I think the 76ers sweep. Washington, I feel like they're on the rise. You know, you have a lot of young talent. Russell Westbrook, if he stays there. Bradley Beal, pretty good. But if Bradley Beal doesn't stay, they're kind of... It's tough. But I still think 76ers sweep this series. Next, we move on. Number two seed Brooklyn Nets against the seven seed Boston Celtics. Nets are up 2 nothing at this moment. Uh, they won game one, 104-93. Jason Tatum with 22, but then the big three... Of Brooklyn, Durant with 32, Kyrie Irving 29, and Harden 21. That's just tough to beat. If you have two guys basically scoring 30, and then another guy adding 20, and you gotta focus, you gotta, you have to focus on all three of those guys. Because if you like change all your focus to Durant, Harden's gonna go off. You change all your focus to Harden, Kyrie is gonna just drive and kick to Durant all the time. And if you try to focus on Kyrie. You might get some help, but, like, Kyrie's so good with the ball that he'll just find the open guy. So it's really tough to deal with that. Game two, the Nets won 130-108. to These are getting ugly. All Celtics were held under 20 points. I believe Marcus Smart led, led the way with 19, which, one, you want at least one player scoring 20. Two, you want that player to be Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown and not Marcus Smart. You don't want him leading the way. Yeah, Marcus Smart, great defensive player. I love watching him on defense, but he's not your number one guy. And then in that game, uh, kind of on it, it's weird saying, but slow game for the big three. Uh, Kevin Durant with 26. I can't remember what uh, Kyrie Irving had, but he was, I think it was like 13, something like that. Harden with 20. And then Joe Harris decided to go off with 25. So. Yeah, uh, my prediction, Nets sweep, and I see, honestly, I have the Nets going to the finals because who else do you have going to the finals out of the East? I don't think Philadelphia can really do it. I mean, they have some good defensive players, but I understand defense wins championships and all, and like we have all this talk about that, but um, Brooklyn's scary, if I'm being honest. Um, and if I didn't mention in my prediction out of the West going to have to go with the Lakers for that. So I have Nets-Lakers like everyone else in the world does. So if we're wrong, it's not just me. It's literally the entire world that has that. Next up, we have the three-seed Milwaukee Bucks against the six-seed Miami Heat. Milwaukee is up three to nothing. The Bucks won game one, 109 to 107 in overtime. I watched the beginning of that game and I caught the ending of it. Uh, beginning of the game, Duncan Robinson went off started off really hot, and he finished with 24 points. Duncan Robinson, 
here's the thing. If he could stay in the game and not be in foul trouble, he would be one of the hottest commodities on the market once he would hit free agency. Like, he would be getting max contracts, I pretty close to the max. If I'm an owner or a GM, I'm not giving Duncan Robinson a max, or I'm not even giving him... I'm giving him, like, 60% of what a max contract would be worth. Because, sure, when he's hot, he's hot, but, like, he cannot stay out of foul trouble, especially last year in the playoffs. Like, watching it was almost infuriating, just because, like, he's one of those players where if you... Even if you guard him pretty close, he can still drop 30 on you just hitting 10 threes. That foul trouble, man, that was tough to watch last year. Moving on, Drogic had 25 points. Here's where sometimes people give me flack for it, but honestly, it's my true opinion. If Drogic would not have been hurt last year, the Heat would have won it all. I swear, I swear to you on that. Because Drogic is just so... He's not only crafty with the ball, he's a good playmaker, but man, when he when he wants to, he can score. And that's just another person you have to guard really well, and I just didn't think the Lakers would do it. I honestly still believe that Jimmy Butler should have won Finals MVP last year just for his efforts, because Drogic and Bam got hurt in Game 1. Bam came back in Game 3, I think, but the like, damage is already done. Like, like we knew the Lakers were going to win, but... I solely believe that if Drogic wasn't hurt, that Miami Heat would have won. If you want to give me hate for it, give me hate for it, but that's just my opinion. Also in Game 1, Giannis with 26, Milton with 27, and the game winner, and Drew Holiday of 20. That um, I remember watching the shot, and really the, the only logical person you can give it to is Milton, and he got it somehow. But, um... It was a really great game to watch. So first, that whole weekend of playoff basketball was amazing, especially get, especially day one on that Saturday. That was a fun day. I, I tried to stay inside as much as possible, just watching it. It was really fun to watch. Uh, on the game two, the Bucks won one thirty two to ninety eight. This is where it gets ugly, folks. All Heat players were held under twenty, with Dwayne Dedman leading the way of nineteen. That's a big yikes from me. Um, one Dwayne Dedman. I honestly didn't think he was in the league still, <laughs> so there's that. Or if he was, I've probably still thought he was on the Hawks. So, um, yeah, big yikes from me on that one. Dwayne Dedman leading the way. Wow. Uh, Giannis had 31, and Bryn Forbes with thir- not 32. He had 22, which is a big game for Bryn, Th- Bryn Forbes. Then on the game three, Bucks won 113-84. to Middleton with 22, only person for the Bucks score of 20. But... Again, all Heat players were held under 20, with Jimmy Butler scoring 19. Uh, the Heat's best chance was Game 1. I say the Bucks sweep. And uh, I believe it just came out like within the hour that Dante DiVincenzo has, like, I believe, an Achilles injury, so he's going to be out the rest of the year. So I don't think the uh, Bucks make it out of Round 2. I didn't think they were going to anyway, because they would probably go and face the Nets, but... At this point, I don't think there's a chance because Dante DiVincenzo, although not as good as he was in that Villanova National Championship, which got him to Milwaukee, he's still a solid player and he's a decent defender, which is, you honestly need as many defenders as you can get against Nets. So, I still think Bucks sweep, but I don't think they make it any further. And finally, we have the number four seed, New York Knicks. Still weird for me to say, New York Knicks in the playoffs? 
that's only happened like a my like I wouldn't say a minute amount of times. It's very rare to see the Knicks in the playoffs. And they go up against the number five seed, Atlanta Hawks. Series tied 1-1. One to one. This should be a good series to watch. The Hawks won game one, 107-105. Trey Young with the game winner ended up shushing the crowd at MSG after scoring 32 points. And, like, I believe he didn't directly do it at uh, Spike Lee, but he... He was in the general vicinity, and Reggie Miller said, you got to talk trash to Spike when you go off in the garden, because if you don't know about Reggie Miller and Spike Lee, uh, please look it up. There's some interesting things that come out of that. Yeah, Trey Young went off, shushed the crowd at MSG, which is honestly pretty funny, because, like, the Knicks, Knicks fans, they talk so much crap, and it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to the finals, man. Are you kidding me? The... Like, they think they're just going to sweep everyone. They're going to be the first team to sweep, I think, ever in the playoffs. It hasn't happened in decades. But, like, they think they're just going to go in and sweep everyone, and they lose game one, and, you know, you got Trey Young just shushing everyone. So, really fun to watch. Um, Alec Burks went off a of 27, which is probably why the Knicks lost. I mean, they only lost by two, but, I mean, if Alec Burks is my leading scorer, jeez. Especially when you have Julius Randle, who's an all-star. I believe he only scored like 15. But, Knicks get game two, 101-92. Trey with 30. D. Rose with 26. Uh, honestly, Randle's being contained pretty well. Probably because uh, John Collins is on him, which I think he's a solid defender. With that being said, series could go either way. But, considering that D. Rose was leading scorer for Knicks in their last win, I think his experience takes the Knicks over the top, and they're going to win in seven. Could be a little earlier, but this game, there's a lot of, not this game, this series, there's a lot of young guys in it. And I just think that Derrick Rose's experience alone will move them on to the next round. All right, and in the in this week, um, some awards have been announced. Julius Randle won the um, most improved player of the year. And... Honestly, he had some tough competition. He had Michael Porter Jr. of Denver and Jeremy, and Jeremy Grant of Detroit. I couldn't think for a second. But um, honestly, I feel like you had to give it to Randall at this point. He's had such a great year, and he made the all-star team. Um, honestly, congrats to Joyce Randall. He had, I don't know, high hopes is the right word. Drafted number seven overall for the Lakers course he was drafted in the worst era in probably Lakers history that's fair that's a fair that's fair to say um so people just wrote him off I believe he ended up getting traded in the I don't even remember when he got traded okay so he went to New Orleans as a free agent and then he went there in 2018 then 2019 he went there to the Knicks Last year wasn't wasn't the best, so I mean, which is why he's most improved. But anyway, congrats to Julius Randle. Uh, really great. I, I I'm curious to see what happens in the in the future with him because I don't know if I would leave New York if I was him. Like ev- all the Knicks fans love Julius Randle. Madison Square Garden is the mecca of basketball. The Garden is basketball's biggest stage. He's right there. He's living it up. I don't think I would leave New York if I was him, but I don't think he's 
big enough of a star to recruit anyone to go there with him. So, very interesting to see that. And Jordan Clarkson ended up winning Sixth Man of the Year, which I don't know how this works out, but he beat Derrick Rose of the Knicks and his teammate Joe Ingles. So, I'm wondering how many games each of them had as the, quote, sixth man. If you're on the same team, only one of you gets to be the sixth man, but apparently Clarkson was the best of them. But uh, Jordan Clarkson, he was also a player who was drafted by the Lakers. He was in that same era as Julius Randle. He's been bouncing around quite a bit. He was in Cleveland at one point. Or I think he's just been to Cleveland and then to Utah. But uh, he's really contributing well in Utah. He's putting up solid points. And uh, I don't think the Jazz are number one seed without him because it's kind of like Lou Will where when it comes to the bench, you can't just like, oh, we don't have to worry about him. No, you have to worry about Jordan Clarkson or he will drop 30 on you. So congrats to Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson on their awards. Okay. Let's talk about the fans, shall we? I want fans as much as possible. I talk about it on a lot of broadcasts that I do, especially when we do softball. I say, I'm so glad fans are back because um, watching and being in the arena for when there's no fans for basketball, it is so desolate and it is almost cavernous because I've, I'm just so used to having a crowd around for every now and then. And... Look, I understand that, like, teasing other people in a playful manner, like opposing fans or other stuff like that, I'm fine with. We, You got to have some fun while you're there. But what fans are doing to players and to other fans is really disheartening, and it almost makes you question if the NBA decided too early to bring fans in because it almost feels like that. Well, at this point, getting a ticket is a privilege at this point because most arenas are working at a certain percentage of seats being filled and those people are really taking advantage of a privilege and it it proves that they shouldn't have the privilege because of what they're doing. Some of these people are season ticket holders, which... Multiple fans have been banned for multiple reasons. So it's really sad to see. I log on Twitter and a 76ers fan poured popcorn on Russell Westbrook as he's walking to the tunnel after twisting his ankle in game two. It, like, he's down. You're He's down already. You're going to basically kick him while he's down. It's honestly, it makes me, it makes my blood boil just thinking about it. Russell had to be held back. He almost went to the stands, which is something we haven't seen since, honestly, one of the darkest days in NBA history, Malice at the Palace. I think the darkest day is Donald Sterling and all that that came out, but Malice at the Palace is one of the darkest days ever, and it has... I don't think it will ever go away in my memory. One, because I enjoy history of basketball so much, that, and that's always there. But it, but two Pacers players went into the stands. 
and it's one of the ugliest nights. Had a ton of arrests involved. Uh, hundreds of games worth worth of suspensions doled out among everyone. It, I I don't want to see anything like that ever again, and I don't want to see a player. I don't want to see a fan provoke someone to do it again. Of course, Malice's Palace, someone threw a beer at Ron Artest as he was he went by Ron Artest back then, now Metal World Peace. And and it's almost the same. Like, you pour popcorn on Russell Westbrook, and it was it's tough to watch. The fan was banned, and he has been or they have been banned indefinitely for the incident. They were a season ticket holder with the 76ers. And it's really rough to watch stuff like that. But then, just when you thought that was bad, you see a Knicks fan spit on Trey Young as he was taking the ball out on the sideline in Game 2. And I'm alright with fans chanting like they were saying I'm going to paraphrase because I don't know if I can even abbreviate this screw Trey Young you know what word to uh, sub in there I'm fine with that because even Trey I believe even Trey would say look after what happened in game one with the shushing and all that that's justified It's all it's all fun and games with that but once a fan decides to spit on someone, that is, oh, it's disgusting. And I haven't seen anything that has been released on the actions. I it something will happen, one hundred percent. Something's gonna happen with it. I think they just have to find who it was and dole out a punishment, which hopefully is. Ban is just being banned because that, it's just a disgusting act, and you don't want to see it again. And again, this is where I say that being there is a privilege, especially being that close to the court. He was in like the second row. That is a privilege to be there. You don't understand how much I would, how much I would give to be second row in Madison Square Garden. And yet you're over here acting like it's you're entitled to it. And oh, I I'm gonna spit on Trey Young because I can do whatever I want. I have the second row. No, you don't have that privilege, and you do not have that right at all. And yeah, it's just that one get that one gets me. That one really gets me. Like. Talking trash to a player in a cer- in a right time is fine. Channing is fine. Teasing other people in a playful manner, you're fine. Once you decide to do something that like that, too far. It's honestly too far. And I don't know what else to say on it. But then there's a third incident where three fans, three Jazz fans, were banned for harassing John Morant's family. There were um, a ton of 
uh, sexually explicit sayings said toward John Morant's mom. And then there was a verbal confrontation between a fan and John Morant's dad where this is it just respect other people. I don't understand how this is so just you ju- you got to respect other people. It doesn't matter like who they root for or anything like that. Like I say multiple times, I'm not a fan of IU, but I don't go around telling IU people that like I hate their guts and stuff like that. Like we, you have a disagreement with someone, you you joke around with each other, which is what I do all the time with people who are IU fans. You joke around, you don't take anything serious, and you move on, you have fun with it. But I honestly the fans they need to they need to clean it up or else I wouldn't be surprised we've Adam Silver is not a light-hearted commissioner. He will in he will in moderation just ban fans overall. Will that go by smoothly? Probably not because the NBA needs the revenue, but TV you get quite a bit of money for that. And they could decide to just have it just have fans banned unless you are a relative. I don't even know if they'll have relatives now because of what happened with Rajon Rondo's brother last year in the bubble. But here's the thing. For all the fans out there, act like you going to a game is a privilege, especially in this day and age. Going to a game is not easy. You have a lot of hoops to jump through. There's a lot of requirements you have to follow you have to meet treat it like it's a privilege and let's not have any headlines like this come up ever again especially three in one week it's ridiculous well I believe that is this week's podcast I really appreciate everyone listening uh, follow me on twitter at deverhart zero zero follow at trying broadcast on twitter also follow at storm center pod on twitter the brand new home for the storm center podcast that i will be covering trying sports whenever we get when we get back and it's gonna be a lot of fun so please stay tuned for next week's podcast i hope you all have a great memorial day weekend thank you for listening Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.